from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, the little man that could, the little man that would, C.L. Whiteside. You are listening to the non-microwave truth. Happy New Year. Happy day. If this is your first time with us today, so blessed, so awesome to have you. Before we get into our first world problem, I have something to share with you. I think I shared this with you before, but I got to remind you about this. If you are looking for a dessert that is awesome and tasty, what you need to do is when you eat cereal, you get the you get some ice cream, you get some milk, you mash up the ice cream, you put it in the milk, you add the cereal and my goodness is good. It is so good. You need to try it. Try it this year. Trust me. Just try it. I do mine with Frosted Flakes, just in case you were wondering. It's game changing. You can thank me later. Let's get into our first world problem today. How do you think Jesus would spend New Year's Eve and the new year coming in? Where do you think he would be? Do you think he'd be like in the church, in the synagogue, praying? Do you think he would be at a social event, kicking it with the 12 disciples? Or do you think he'd be like sleep? by itself or something. What do you think Jesus's New Year Eve plans would be in our society today? What do you think? And this is our first world problem question today. How would Jesus spend his New Year's Eve? My guess is he would be at some type of family gathering. And the only, only thing I have to go off of this is just he was at the wedding in Canaan before and he turned water into wine. I do not think he would be bartending or anything of that nature, but I do think he would be with his his friends, not his friends, his family, I should say. I don't necessarily know if he would be with the 12 disciples because they probably would be with their families or their booze or wives or whatever. But I really don't know. I'm just guessing. What do you think? I would love to hear from you. Instagram or Twitter, Champion Life 23. And our first world problem is, what do you think Yeshua will be doing for New Year's Eve? And if you have a why to what you think, please let me know. And this is our first world problem. It is dinner time. Five, four, three, two, one. Happy New Year. Man, how did you bring in your New Year? Were you popping champagne or making toast? Did you do the countdown on TV? Well, did you keep it low key and maybe spend some time with friends or family or maybe even your boo? Well, regardless of how you brought in the new year, I can guarantee there are tons of people who are thinking new year means new goals and new year's resolutions. And just thinking about this from doing a little research, asking some people, Googling some stuff, these are the top five things that I see for New Year's resolutions or New Year's goals. The first one being lose some weight or gain some muscle, uh, work out, something to do, do with fitness and a lot of times with weight and how their, their body looks and body image. A lot of goals or resolutions geared towards that. Second goal that I noticed a lot was something about money. Money, either making a certain amount of money in a year, getting a certain, certain job, trying to save a certain amount, trying not to spend a certain amount. The third one I saw was something to do with relationships. Like, I got to get me a boo. Yes, yes. Or it could even be something like make some new friends. The fourth one that I saw 
And I think this is something that's kind of on the climb. And this is just more so from asking certain people. It's just a, a mental health focus. Like the mental health focus is, is way up. People wanting to find balance. Like if you're in school, create a better work-life school balance. And I think even tied in, some people kind of tie that in with trying to travel more because COVID took away a lot of people's travel plans. And this is something, this is more so the, the Generation Z talked about wanting to improve their social media influence or their social media presence. Now, I had a friend, I had a couple of friends, actually, but I, I remember one of my friends, he asked me about what was my big goal for this upcoming year. And to be honest with you, I am really not a big goal type of guy. I, I'm not. And that probably got sparked from this book that I read by Joshua Metcalf, which is called Burn Your Goals. It's, it's an awesome book, probably one of the best books that I have ever read. And in that book, it focuses on the process and it's more so about commitments and we're going to use a quote today for our episode. Our episode is titled Goals That Just Sound Good. And the quote is this, a goal without a commitment is a wish. And last time I checked, none of us have a genie. I think there's definitely a place and time for goals, but a lot of times it's overrated or overused to me and it's used in the wrong way. And it's what I call that they're just wishes. They're just wishes for some. Like I hear a lot of people, especially during this time that say, I have a goal to do X, Y, or Z. And it's like, okay, cool. Um, how are you going to do that, though? Like, what's the process? What what commitments are you going to make to actually get to that? And they sound good. I mean, they sound real good, real, real good. But they're not even giving themselves a fair or legit shot. Or high key is really just a wish. Like, it's just like, I want it to happen. I really don't know how it's going to happen. I just wish it will happen. I have a goal to be in the NBA one day. My goal is to be seven feet tall one day. That's neither here nor there. And no, that was not my goal as a little kid. I was just trying to get to like 5'10". <laughs> but I want to look at some biblical examples of people who set goals or were commitment driven. The first one I want to look at is the rich young ruler in Mark 10. I know I've looked at him and we've discussed him before, but when you look at him, his goal was to get to heaven or his goal was to get eternal life. He was so focused on earthly achievements and that's what gave him value. He was looking for value or validation in, in the wrong place. And with his goal of getting to heaven, that was just a wish. He wanted none of the commitments that Jesus was telling him to make sell all my stuff and follow you. Ooh, wee, that's a big, big commitment, Jesus. I, I can't do that. I can't do it. And this is a prime example of having a goal, but not having a clue what the commitments entitle or entail in, in a negative way, I should say. And that's in Mark chapter 10, if you want to check that out. Now, a similar situation in the Bible where you have two men who have a lofty goal, a, a very lofty goal, but they actually ended up responding positively. But it didn't it didn't kind of go like that off top. But hold on. this is in Mark 10, verse 34 and 35. And this is James and John. And their goal was to be the greatest disciple, the greatest disciple. And they came to Jesus on some genie stuff like, hey, can you do me a favor? I absolutely hate when people ask me that, too, by the way. I, I hate it. But they said this. This is what they said. They said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. And then Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? 
They replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. Like, yeah, bro, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah, we're going to be great. Jesus looked at them and was like, you don't even know what you're asking. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? And what that, I had to look that up to see what that meant. What he really was saying to them is, do you really want this smoke? Do you really want the problems that come with the glory that you're asking for? Do you really want the trials and tribulations? Do you really want the suffering and the pain that comes along with the glory? Like, do you want this? Do you really want this? And we know eventually James and John ended up being in that position where they could handle it. But at that time, that's not what they really were asking for. They just wanted the glory. And that just reminds me how many of us, we make goals and we really don't even know what we're asking for or what commitments we need to make. And I go back to that NBA example that I used earlier because working at a high school and, and coaching basketball, I definitely hear plenty of students say, I want to be in the NBA one day. And it's like, man, you don't even work on your game like that. Like you really don't like the grind of the game. You don't enjoy watching film. You just see what's on TV and sneaker deals and money and, and women chasing them. But you don't want the other parts. You don't like the intricacies of the game. Like you don't eat, sleep and breathe basketball. You don't like weightlifting. You don't like running sprints. You don't want to spend 10,000 hours working on your craft. Like you, you enjoy playing, like, but you don't enjoy competing. You don't love everything about it, and that's cool. Just go play 2K. And something that we forget with goals like that is you don't even have control over that. Like You can't draft yourself. Other people's opinions matter about you, and they have con some control over your destiny in that way, I should say. Enough of that, though. You get the point. The next biblical example comes from John 21, and this is the disciples again. This is John chapter 21. This is the disciples having a goal to catch some fish, but they had a greater commitment to being obedient to God. And what we see with this is that wording matters, and the disciples, they let God dictate their, their goal or their commitment, and they don't sell God short. And what I mean by selling God short is, let's say you want to make $20 an hour, if that's your goal, if that's your goal, a lot of times you're going to pick the first job you see that gives you $20 an hour. When really, if your goal was to do the best you could and allow God to dictate it, you might have gotten $30 an hour or the best might have been $15 an hour, but you get some opportunities to open up some other doors. That's just when you have a commitment to God and a commitment and allowing him to dictate what your plan should be. Now, what we see with the disciples, they just went to catch some fish, but they were allowed and they were committed to God and they listened to what he said. So let me read some of this for read some of this to you from John 21. It says Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee and two other disciples were together. I'm going to go out fishing, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So when they went out and got in the boat that night, they caught nothing. And I got to point out, when you make a commitment, there will be times and days when nothing seems to happen. It's the consistency of being there and the consistency of doing something that is, that is key. It continues on. It says early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, have you caught any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. 
When they did, they were unable to haul in the net because of the large number of fish. All right, I'm going to skip some verses. It was full of large fish, 153, but even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now think about this. They listened and had breakfast. How many of us would have got greedy and made God wait? Like, hold up, God, I got to throw this on the other side. You said on the right side, I'm about to try the back. I'm about to try the front. I'm about to try, to, I'm about to try all over because we're going to catch these fish because that's what we do. We're fishermen. But the note to take from the di- disciples is to, to listen. Listen to God and allow the relationship with Jesus to be your greatest commitment. Allow that to be our, our greatest commitment. And before we move on, I just wanted to reiterate and kind of get on that point again about it's hard as Christians, especially when you when you are making commitments to stick with it and not think that it's a bad commitment when sometimes things are getting worse. And what I mean by that is that when you're trying to fix a, a technique or improve something, sometimes it's going to get worse because when you're trying to fix it the right way, it's hard. And usually you're going to get worse before you get better. But that's what will give you the most growth or the chance for the most growth, I should say. And that's usually how things go, especially when you have a a bad habit or it's a technique type of thing. It will get worse before it gets better. Now, what's worse than not knowing what commitments your goals should have is just having the wrong goal, period. A goal that is outside of God's will is what I'm referring to. Prime example is Genesis 11. That's the Tower of Babel. And they are literally... (laughs) going against God's word. So, of course, that's how, to, how they're out of God's will. They had the goal of building a tower to get to heaven and pretty much knock on heaven's door. Like, hey, hey, God, we here. And that was outside of God's will because he told them to spread the earth and to multiply, not sit in one town and try to touch heaven. And they were all about creating a legacy and being as great as they possibly could. And that's how a lot of us are with our goals. Our goals are to gain recognition, and get those accolades. And prime examples for us would be making money by any means necessary. That means if we got to steal or getting that recognition, if we got to cut corners, it don't matter if you got to be a stripper, you got to sell drugs, you got to take advantage of people, do whatever it takes to win. It's a cutthroat world. That's that's the wrong goal. And that's the goal that's going to be outside of God's will for sure. Now, I got a few passages that I want to share with you that's huge when thinking about what you want and, and how do you allow your goals and commitments to be shaped. And I'm like I said, I'm all about commitments. And you might be like, this is too big of an adjustment for me to come up with all these commitments and forget about goals. And if you still want to be goal oriented, that's definitely fine. But I think you you see you have to have commitments in place that will give you a chance, a chance for your goal. Because like I said earlier, a goal without a commitment is a wish. And last time I checked, none of us have a genie. The first passage is Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6. It's trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. I think that word submit is so key because you're making a choice. You are you're committing and it's doing a specific type of commitment, which is you're accepting that God is the number one authority. You're thinking about his will over your own personal will. And the second one is, it's another proverb to Proverbs is a great book is commit to the Lord, whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. That's Proverbs 16, verse three. 
Establish your plans. Like we are constantly planning. But how do you know your plans are right? It's the only way you know is if you commit to the Lord. But we have to dig in a little more and really get to what, what do those commitments mean or how do you get those commitments to be focused on God? And like I said, the first one is commit to the Lord. That's got to be the number one priority. The question you ask yourself is, do your goals have God at the center or do they have God in mind at all? But my goal is just to lose 20 pounds. What does that have to do with God? If you want to lose 20 pounds to have a hot girl summer, that doesn't have God in mind at all. And you definitely can have God in mind with something like that because you want to be at your best. You want to treat your body like a temple. You want to glorify him with the things that you're putting in your body. You want to have more energy to serve and just be at your best. That's something where you just think about like, hey, how can I glorify God with this? The second thing with commitments is make a commitment that is approved by God's word. Like if you have a commitment to getting more money and you want to get more money so you can go to the strip club or stun on people or or gain a status so that you can treat other people like garbage. Yeah, that, that that's not in God's word. Another thing with commitments, the third one I would say is commitments you want to make are something that you can actually control. That's the whole thing. And if it involves consistency, be consistent with it. So make sure you can control it, something that you can control. Fourth one is make a commitment and have a lower bound and upper bound with it. And what I mean by that is this. Shout out to Erica for sending this to me too. Let's say you want to read a book. A lower bound will say, I'm going to read at least five pages every day. And on the upper bound, you would say, I will never read more than 20 pages. Because sometimes what we do is we have goals like reading or working out and we try to give a crazy number like 500. I'm going to read 500 pages in a day. I'm going to work out four hours in a day. You are doing too much and you're not going to stick with it. And the whole thing is about sticking with it, baby. And just to break this down even more, thinking about Noah. Noah, I would say, had a goal to save the world and the animals. But his commitment had to be to build the ark. And that ark didn't just take a day to build. It took consistency. It, it took something every single day. And for all the research and things that I found, most scholars would say that it took some years for him to build the ark. Just think about that. Uh, let's say it just took a year. That's a long time. That's some consistency for sure. Now, I just wanted to jump back up to the top five that I had talked about. Top five goals or New Year's resolutions. Just to give you a quick breakdown of some commitments that you could kind of get in your mind and get an idea of what I'm talking about. Okay, let me see. Oh, the first one was like lose weight or something with fitness. Uh, a commitment for that could be I'm going to work out 20 minutes a day at least four times a week. Another thing that could go along with that could be I'm only going to have Starbucks or whatever your advice might be once a week. The second one on the list was the, the money thing. And that could be something like, I'm going to make a commitment to fill out two job applications every week. Or something like, I'm going to start a bank account where every paycheck, I take $20 and put it in this bank account. And I can't go in there at all. But that's why you probably need like a separate bank account. The third one was the relationship one. Something could be, it could be something as simple as, I'm going to smile at every single person I see today. And I'm going to have one conversation really asking someone how they're doing not like hey how you doing but like hey like how you doing like what's been up how was your christmas how was your new year i remembered you mentioned you were going to your in-laws and that could be a little hectic how was it i think you get the picture i'm not gonna go through the other two goals 
But when making commitments too, this would be point number five is put it somewhere where you can see it or, or share it or, or both and kind of have like an accountability person. Because it is nice to have people check up on you and remind you like, hey, remember, this is what you said you wanted or you said you were going to do. So go do it. And the last thing about commitments is you got to make them because if you aren't being intentional in making your commitments, you end up lying to yourself and say you're committing to nothing. And that gets thrown in a microwave and you commit to something you're not even aware of or conscious of. Or there are those who are on the opposite end of the spectrum and they make some crazy, stupid, fat go for everything. And I think James 4 verse 13 through 17 sums it up and he hits it on the head. He says, now, listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. Man, I would encourage you to read the whole book of James. It's only five chapters. And he's believed to be that the author that is believed to be Jesus' brother it's great and godly advice for matters we face today, like how to use your will, how to be careful with what you say, how to have patience in tough times. Make some time to, to read that. And on this episode of goals that just sound good, there are some goals that I think that every single one of you should have. And the first one is to grow closer to God. Like what commitments does that entail? That entails reading his word. That entails Praying, meditating, doing devotions, listening to different sermons, listen to God-fearing things and messages. The second goal you should have should definitely be geared towards something that you are passionate about or feel gives you purpose. Like focusing on the process and making commitments geared towards that, not towards accolades or recognition. Like in education, we get judged on test scores, but that we shouldn't have goals really towards that because... What if my kid gets a 36 on the ACT, but he's a jerk? He thinks I'm a jerk. He felt no love. He didn't develop any as a person, but he got a 36. That's a fail, a major fail. The third goal that we should all have is to be a good steward with what we have, like making the most, making the most of it. Pretty simple and to the point. The fourth one is more of a, a mental health and a finding balance type of goal. And that's just remembering each day to breathe, take some time out of each day to reflect, to be still, to practice gratitude, to think about how much God loves each and every one of us. Luke 5 verse 16 tells us Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. So that's something we should definitely be copying. The microwave truth tells us you don't have time to do these things. You don't have time to not get immediate results. You have to have goals like being on honor roll or making a certain amount of money or having so many likes or followers or winning this award or getting that recognition. And you start to accept and be okay with doing whatever to reach that goal though. The non-microwave truth is you can't control that stuff. So fix your eyes on Jesus, commit to him and his ways, fall in love with the process, the process. And don't just come up with the goals that sound good. A goal without a commitment is just a wish. 
And last time I checked, none of us have a genie. You have something better than a genie. You have Jesus. Commit to him. Make commitments. You have a spirit who intercedes on your behalf. You have a God who has plans for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And this is the non-microwave truth. Thanks for joining me on this episode of Goals That Just Sound Good. Make those commitments. Peace punch, Captain Crunch. Say no to drugs and yes to Jesus. I'm out.